Welcome, Greg. Thanks for having me, Dave. It's uh, no, exciting. No problem. Uh, how long do you think we've known each other? Oh, man. Like, as long as I've known anybody, like, yeah. when did we meet? Kindergarten? Kindergarten. So we've so. seen each other grow up since, what, three years old? Yeah. Four years we're old? We're both, both 32. Yeah. That's crazy. It's pretty amazing. A lot of people I talk to don't actually uh, have people they've known that long. No, and we've so. actually gotten the chance to see each other in different lights and in different stages of life mm -hmm. from, you know, being uh, in elementary school, junior high, and being very rambunctious and very naughty uh, to, yeah. to being grown men and, and succeeding in life and, and, and so far. So it's kind of great to still have that friendship all these years because, you know, a lot of time passes where we lose friends. Totally. But uh, we have a core group of guys that we still keep in touch with. Yeah, it's like family, right? Like friends, the family that you uh, that you choose, right? Exactly. So, yeah, it's super important. Yes. And really, like if you think about a lot of the people you meet in your life, you're not going to know them as long as you're friends. You know, That's your true. parents, you meet them when they're already halfway through their life. That's true. And then someone else you meet, like your, let's say someone you get married to, you meet them usually, maybe not so halfway. much in your case, yeah. but you usually meet them uh, halfway, right? Yeah. So, yeah, siblings and friends, right? Yeah, very yeah. important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so today we brought you on the show to talk about uh, weight loss and fat loss, because if you want to go more into detail... Tell us more about what you were like when you were in school, about uh, your weight and so forth. Okay, that's interesting you asked that because I guess it's just like anybody. When you're under the age of 10 or even 13, let's say 15, a lot of your food choices are not your own. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So as far as what your parents put in the house, what your parents are eating, what everyone else is eating, that's just kind of what you eat. You go out with your friends and you eat what they're eating. And a lot of them are skinny. A lot of them are fat, or not even a lot. I'd say, let me change that. Some are fat. The majority are reasonably average right. looking, right? So you assume that you're doing the same thing as them, um, that everything's okay. And meanwhile, I was getting really heavy. Like once I was in uh, grade six, I think, what are we, 11, 12 years old at that right. point? Yeah, around that. And I was over 200 pounds. And all my friend, most of my friends are much smaller than that. So looking back at it, obviously some of the stuff I was doing was – not benefiting me physically right. um, as far as activities i had a very normal activity range with my friends i played sports yeah, I, remember I played playing, hockey yeah ball I, hockey with you yeah, and soccer. I, yeah, yeah i would bike all yeah. over the, like i was reasonably active i enjoyed sports right so i just happened to i think it's genetics but it's uh obviously bad eating and poor exercise habits on top of having the genes for just getting really big. So, so I ballooned up. I have a question for you because this is a big uh, happening in, in the news recently about adding a sugar tax to drinks and so forth. And a group of my trainer friends and nutritionists have been talking about this. But do you think it starts from the parents? Like with the parents, because I also grew up with in a family where uh, nutrition wasn't really taught to me either. So if I wanted Nutella and, and peanut, uh, Nutella and pizza for breakfast, I had it. If I wanted Coke for breakfast, I had it. I wasn't taught that I should be eating this, and I wasn't told that I should be eating my, you know, greens at this time and my fruits at this time. So how important do you think, as a child at least, learning the fundamentals as a kid from the parents? Well, you brought up a couple things. I mean, as far as sugar specifically is concerned, I think that's a really big topic. I mean, sugar 
on its own is a very, especially refined sugar, what I'm talking about, right. is a very addictive substance, right? It is. I mean, I don't think anyone I can talk to denies the fact that if they like it, they really like, once you eat one cookie, sometimes you, you feel like going. eating a few more, right? So there's that. But as far as the other question you asked, um, so when it comes to the sugar, you know, I think, what is the sugar tax? Like, what do you mean by that? I think in, the, in New York and Great Britain, they've added a sugar tax, so on drinks, that have like Coke. Uh, so you have to like pay that. more you for pay, the drink? You pay more, yeah. So there'd be, you have the sales tax of 30% plus. And that's all government money, I guess? I'm like assuming it would be government, yeah. So it'd be an extra, they don't have a number yet, but it would be an extra 10%, let's just say. So it's 13% plus an extra 10%. I could see economically why a country would want to do that to bring more revenue to the country on sugar sales. Um, as far as whether adding 10 cents to your Coke is going to change Coca-Cola consumption, um, I have no idea. My personal belief is that refined sugar is a really not, I don't want to say evil. It's a pretty intense corporation. Like the people who run it um, are there to make a profit, are there to make a profit. So they don't care how they're selling you the sugar, whether it's in Red Bull or chocolate bars, or they'll just find a new way. It's the same with caffeine products. Yep, they're just going to find a new way to charge you more for the exact same yeah. thing that you're addicted to. So that's how I feel about it. Right but on. when it comes to parenting, um, what you asked about, I think the parents should be more responsible um, in teaching their kids how to eat. And I think a lot of parents do. But yeah, some parents just simply do not know. Imagine you have parents who have been reasonably healthy their whole life, eating pizza and chips. and Because yeah. a lot of people will, they might not be healthy, but they'll look They'll look like healthy. they're healthy, right. right. Which is a different kind of health. Right, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, that's a lot of the knowledge you have is really not catered to the individual. Um, so someone like me who's really obese or growing up in that way, there are genetic factors. There are certain foods that I just cannot eat, that I should just never consume. There's a timing to how I should manage my insulin and my hormones um, right. because diabetes is in my family. And right. stuff. So all of those factors are very important. But I can't necessarily blame the parents because a lot of parents don't know anything about insulin and about meal timing, and it's not you know maybe they're an accountant or whatever. right. No, no, I How totally do you agree. Them to know, I I think it's very uh, important from my perspective as the parents. If it's out of sight, out of mind, and so I grew up in a house with chips, and so when it was there, of course I'd sneak yeah, down and too. eat it. So me too. I wasn't taught that I wasn't supposed to have that you know after dinner, after snack. Mm -hmm. That was my triple snack or my quadruple snack or whatever that I felt. Or I would get up in the morning and have snack before breakfast, right? So a before breakfast, before, before breakfast. I yeah. believe that's your breakfast. That was my that breakfast, point. you know. <laughs> You've broken um, the fast. So I think that's where we're we're heading. That uh, we need to instill that in the parents to if it's not at home, the kids are not going to eat it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, so we know you lost the weight, and uh, I don't want to spoil it for the listeners, but. You know, we're in 2016. Tell me when you lost the weight. At what point? So I started exercising when I was about 24 or 25. And I think my weight was around 280 pounds. And with about a year of training, I got it down to about 260. Um, this was with a bit of help from a trainer and a bit on my own. At that point, I stopped training. I don't remember exactly why. Probably the same reason a lot of people do, just because they're lazy or... They don't see the value Results, in it yeah. immediately, right? So I stopped. And then about two years later um, is when I really got motivated to start training. 
And at that point, I was about 330 pounds-ish. I stopped weighing myself at 315, to be honest. But I got a bit bigger. And yeah, at that point, I just said, uh, I don't want to... I didn't see light at the end of the tunnel. It was basically like horrible health problems for the right. rest of my life. And the only thing stopping that is the fact that I'm like lazy, that I don't want to train, that I don't want to... Like, what's the worst that can happen if you take care of it right? right so that's what went through my head okay so that actually leads me to my next question so why what at what point what made you because no matter what anybody says there's always a driving factor of why someone wants to get weight it's great to have a goal so 20 pounds is what i want to lose but why where did 20 pounds come from or where did 100 pounds come from at what point did you say you know what i need to change my life because i'm going down a rabbit hole that i don't want to get out of yeah, it's interesting you ask that because whether it's like this goal or weight loss or something else, sometimes it takes really bad events or I would say very uh, difficult events to get you to move forward in life or to look at your subconscious really to understand what you're doing wrong because it's, it's hard to understand what you're doing wrong from the inside. Everyone else can see it. Oh, you shouldn't do this or that. Right. Right. So for me, I had just broken up with my girlfriend. Um, or I didn't break up with her. I'm pretty sure it was more she broke up with right, me. Right, right. That's and, how it usually is. Yeah. And at the same time, I was um, I was working a really good job for a while, and I was not able to do that anyway. Uh, I wasn't able to do that either. So I basically lost a lot of money, and I lost my girlfriend. So all of that being said, I also went through a move, which is very stressful. So when I was in the new house, sitting there thinking about my life, looking at my stomach and thinking like, geez, man, like you got nothing going now. You don't have your girl. You don't got your money. Right. And and you're unhealthy. So might as well put some effort into that. So that's yeah. that's pretty cool that. Uh, so it, it took you almost to get to the end to almost rock bottom financially, spiritually with a female. Yeah. And just wait to say, you know what? I need to change my life. Yeah, that's what it took for me as far as being motivated. And I remember, too, I went to the gym um, and I saw a guy there who was really in great shape, a 19-year-old athlete. And he was the ni nicest guy ever. And I asked him, I said, like, oh, no, I didn't ask him. I just told him. I said, look, dude, I know this might sound crazy, but I'm going to do this thing. And obviously, I'm a really big guy at the time. And he would probably see a lot of people say that. And, but I felt something click in me where I was like, all I got to do is wake up in the morning, go to the gym. Worst case scenario, I have a bad workout. And I still use that ideology today. Yeah. Go to the gym, warm up properly, lift some weights, do some whatever, cardio. And worst case is it's a bad workout. It's still a workout. Right. That's I, what started I, me going. I think that's very important. I think just getting up and doing it is, is half the battle. Once you're For there, sure. it doesn't matter. There's no such thing as a bad workout. If you're there and you have a bad workout, it's still better than being at home, thinking about working out. Oh, yeah. Right? Because your heart's already pumping, the endorphins are kicking in, everything is working. Yeah. So you've already got that exercise. You may have not had the best one. You may have hated it. Mm -hmm. uh, not everybody that goes to the gym actually likes going to the gym. They go there because they know they're going to see a result, hopefully. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you said, you know what, as long as I have that mentality, right? It's the mentality of getting up and going. And gyms are also a very tough place for overweight people. Yes, they I are. mean, as someone who's super, really overweight or obese, everyone stares at you in the gym. And not every gym, I'm not going to generalize. Right. You do get some stares. You do get some bad looks. And there's mirrors everywhere. 
So you're forced to look at yourself. You're almost set up to fail. It's yeah, it's really hard to push yourself to go into that environment, which is ironic because um, not the mirrors, but with the people, the person who should be in there the most is the one who needs to get healthy. Right. So the society should be, you know, accepting enough. And for the most, like, I can't generalize. A lot of people are very accepting. Right. But you still feel maybe it's your own self-consciousness. You know, my cousin right now wants to lose some weight and he told me that he feels uncomfortable going. Right. Um, so yeah, it's a big hurdle. For that reason, I know the first, I didn't mention this before, but the first 20 pounds or so that I lost was just from doing yoga in my living room. See, there I you just go. started stretching and my, my whole goal was I'm going to prepare for the gym. I'm going to start stretching my body and get yeah. into a good, you know, healthy state to go exercise. All right. So, so uh, I'm going to say this. The, when you moved away, you moved about an hour north of us. So I haven't seen you for a few years. Um, and one of the first times I saw you was at my bachelor party. And for uh, those that don't know, I got married uh, about two years ago. And we had a little bonfire up at a uh, campsite. Mm-hmm. And this is a true story that I haven't told Greg. So this is the first time Greg is hearing about it. When he showed up to the... Um, the bonfire, the, the the campsite, and he came out of the car, I almost cried. Like, I had that no chill way. moment because I, awesome. kn- but I didn't recognize who you were. Mm-hmm. And as a trainer, to see people um, transform their life like that, you know, people always think trainers, it's always about money. Almost, he's only in it for the money, but it's the the longevity that I preach to people. And when I saw Especially you get out of that you, car. Especially you because you're – passionate about this yes and proves it right and i lost weight this myself so i understood but when i saw greg come out when i saw you come out of that car i almost uh i almost lost myself i was ecstatic i was like who is this person yeah and that was the first time i saw you in i don't know two or three years yeah yeah and you were like literally literally and this is going to go into the next question you were probably half the person you once were i know so going into the next question um, I know now it's been a few years since you've actually lost the weight, so it's a mm-hmm. little different. Yeah. But from the time that you started around 315 to where you said, all right, I think I'm good now, how much weight did you lose? So the lowest I got was 176. Um, so which, what does that equate to? 130, 130 pounds yeah. or so. So again, I'm assuming I was, numbers aren't super important, but I'm no. assuming I was over 315 because I hadn't weighed myself for six months and I was just ballooning up. Right. So I maybe lost about one. 30 to 150 pounds total. Now, that's weight. Some of it was probably not healthy. I definitely dieted. At one point, I remember I was losing 15 to 20 pounds a month for three months, which is too much, which means my calories were so restricted that I was losing muscle too and everything, right? So um, that being said, now I'm 190 to 195 when I weigh myself. So I've put on another 20 pounds and i think a good half of that is muscle yeah, from training course. properly and doing the good compound movements um that i've been training the whole time you know right. my fundamental like the ones that i enjoyed the most when i started training was just powerlifting basic powerlifting movements right. i the bench press the squat and the deadlift um for some reason and i think it's maybe nervous system related those gave me the best results and right. the most endorphins and the best feeling when i was you know, getting out of the gym if I did, you know, deadlifts that day. And you still do that to this day. I still to this day will do those main lifts just because of that feeling. Right. Um, But again, I think 
you want to build your arms, for example, you can't just do curls. No. You've got to get your hormones going. You've got to start doing the compound exercises, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, when you decide to change and you start to lose the weight, what changed? So, your food habits, your exercise, you know, what, what, what changed? What types of food were you consuming? What types of food were you staying away from? How many days a week were you exercising? How many uh-huh. hours? That's interesting you asked that because for about, and this leads kind of into my teenage years, but from when I was about 18, I always told myself, I'm going to lose weight by Christmas, let's say, or by next summer, I'm going to drop the weight. And I would have this sort of like self-dialogue with myself. And I think people do this a lot. So about a year before I started losing weight, I had that dialogue and I actually was proactive about it. I said, I'm only going to eat fruits, vegetables, and meats and grains. Mm -hmm. So in that time, eating fruits, meats, vegetables, and grains, which were all healthy from what everything I read, I saw a dietitian and I ballooned up because I, I was eating too much of this stuff. Right. You can, you know, grapes, for example. I had a little routine where I would watch TV and eat grapes for an hour. Right. It wasn't like I was going to eat this many grapes. It was like, I'm going to eat grapes it's healthy. now. It's healthy, of course. Well, like That's what I wrong? knew. What can go wrong, right? So I had no idea. So as far as my diet, when I started, I said, okay, obviously, and I think anyone should do this when they look at themselves, is to just say, like what I was at, I kept telling myself is would a healthy person do this? Right. Would a healthy person sit there and eat grapes for an hour? No. I always see them eat a handful of grapes and stop right. or two handfuls. So obviously my behavior is causing negative outcome. You know, this could apply to anything in life. So the same thing. Would a healthy person eat two burgers? Probably not. Maybe they'll have one, right? So those are the thoughts. So when I actually started changing my diet, it was a lot easier than that because I downloaded a workout program with a diet plan. So it basically told me to eat broccoli, chicken, and potatoes in a certain proportion six times a day. So it was about 350 calories six times a day, which worked out to about 2,000 or just over that. And I was eating that on a clockwork with going to the gym once to twice a day. I would go in the morning and do weights based on the very basic program that I read, right. you know, four sets of eight, right? four sets of 10, this and that. And you do your arms one day and your chest the next day, which is not how I train today. Right. But that's what I started with. And I was successful. So I, I would lose, uh, you know, 10 pounds a month at the beginning for quite a while. And that's how it started. So there so. was a dramatic. So the, the, I did have to change things drastically. Change, yeah. yeah. So and I did change yeah. and you exercised more. Now, were you yeah. going seven days a week? Three days a week? How many times were you going in the beginning? I was going five days a week at least, if not more. So I just, yeah, because again, I downloaded this beginner program, which says Monday is you do your chest. It was basically a bodybuilding program. Right. And bodybuilding is not the only way to train, obviously, and exercise. But this is what I downloaded. So I started doing my chest the one day, the back the next day, the legs and and whatever the order was. So I guess five days a week I would do it. But the main thing I think that, I want to get across to people is that you have to add challenges to your life because the whole point is to work more and get stronger. Right. It's not about losing weight because if you're getting stronger and working more and you're not just physically, but mentally, as far as diet and mental strength, right. You're going to be healthier. Yes. So you can, you can basically have a foundation to start tweaking to where you want it to be, you know, but so yeah, it was, um, Try to challenge yourself. If you're going to the grocery store, instead of getting a cart, carry your groceries. You know, 
if you're parking at the mall, park as far away as possible so that you can walk more. I mean, if the goal is to exercise and you're sedentary, th those are the things I did and I did them often. I would use the stairs in my house as much as I could. I would yeah. just make things harder on myself instead of easier. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's that's what you need to do. Now, the problem is now you're, you're quite the person that if you put your mind to it, you're going to go full uh, speed ahead. Um, I know some people find the challenge if they do too many things at once, they get bombarded. So totally. a lot of people, you know, January 1st comes and they want to do all this stuff. I'm going to cut out sugar. I'm going to cut out carbs. I'm going to, you know, stop drinking beer. I'm going to do this and do this and do this and do this. And they set themselves up because it's too many things all at once. It's way too much. Yeah. So, I mean, if you know you have the willpower, that's a different story. But I always preach to people, pick one thing and do it good. Yeah, right? yeah So if that exactly. means going to the gym. Okay, work on that until you you know that you build can the habit. Gym. Build the habit and then yeah. proceed to another one. Exactly. Uh, so this will go into the 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 following or the next question. How hard was it? So when you look back in hindsight, you could say actually that was quite easy because now I'm at the stage where I've lost 130 plus. But going through the motions the first few months, mentally, what was it like? It's weird. The motivation was there. I was motivated, and I think. It was hard, but it wasn't as hard as some things I've done in my life. Right. I mean, as far as doing physical work, like there's two aspects to it. There's the eating and there's the exercise. Okay. I think the majority of people could find exercise that they enjoy. Honestly, there is like we're humans. We have a body using that body in the right way. Something you enjoy, whether it's sports or whether it's weightlifting, whatever it is. That's pretty straightforward when it comes to eating and changing your diet for some reason a lot of people there's resistance there they think what they're doing is either totally right or they're not willing to give up certain things so if i tell someone don't eat ice cream for a year of course you can do it of course you cannot eat ice cream what's the worst thing that happens like you start crying like oh i want yeah, ice exactly. cream like, like what's the worst that happens nothing but people are so reluctant now i'm not saying to do that if you need a cheat meal once a Cheat meal, not a cheat day. I'll make that very clear. I think cheat meals are good. Cheat yes, days are so do I. I agree. totally disastrous from my experience um, as an overeater or whatever. But yeah, so if you can't handle the mental, if you don't have the mental strength to not eat cookies for six months or a year or whatever, then I just don't think that's very tough because like, what's the worst that happens? Right. It's not like it's a, you know, don't drink water or you can't do other things. People, people... I think people stress too much on comfortable being comfortable with what they're already doing. So it's right. eating cookies. They're addicted to it. So you mean you, I got to give this up? Mm -hmm. But yes, because you want to achieve a health goal. So yes, you have to. And cookies might be a bad example because it's cookies. Everyone knows they're unhealthy. Yeah. What about something like pasta? Right. A lot of people think pasta is fine. Um, and sure, it is fine for a lot of people in moderation, but moderation, a yeah. lot of people should probably not eat it at all because they don't need the extra carbs because no. they're not running marathons or whatever. And it's it's going back to what I've said in my previous podcast is that it's portion control too. So yeah, you can have pasta, but we're used to pasta being up to here on a plate. We should have a small amount of pasta and that should be good. I think it's interesting you say that because you actually, you're bringing up the idea of to me at least, of psychology of eating. So for me, it's always been easier to omit something completely from my diet, especially in the early phases. Now right. I can balance it a little better. But it's easier to omit it completely than to try to manage, manage the eating of it. And I think what people should really do is take note of which foods, when they eat them, they really want more of them. 
some people are like that with rice. I'm like that with rice. Right. When I eat it, it's just like something. I think it's the sugar. It starts digesting and the sugars come out and I'm, I want more. And mm-hmm. pasta's that way too. And, you know, if that food is going Triggering to cause yeah. that trigger, I would stay away from it. Try it. So you're probably going to be eating a lot plainer foods um, for a while. At least that's what I did. Um, even today, I mean, like even to this day, the foods that I eat in a day are very simple because I can track the, you know, I'll have a bowl of oatmeal and I can weigh it and I can see exactly what right. it is, right? So it's hard to do that with more complex foods. Right. Now, this would be a, a tricky question, but so now that you've lost the weight, you're in the maintaining, I know you want to drop a few more pounds, you've told me, but in terms of overall health, you're in that position where you want to maintain. How hard do you think it is to maintain? I think it's hard. It's definitely not easy, but it depends on how focused you are, right? I mean, again, if uh, if you just talk about weight, maintaining a certain weight is all about calories in versus calories, calories out, out, right? But we're not talking about that. We're talking about health. So maintaining a healthy body is a totally different topic. So you can put on another five pounds and still be healthy if it's muscle or if you're training or whatever. So as far as maintaining a healthy body now my goal is longevity so Uh, i know that's part of your training philosophy that's part of mine i enjoy it too much and it's too good for me to risk anything so i'm not lifting anything that's going to hurt me trying not to at least trying to stay within a moderate as far as weights if you want to look at it like that moderate weight with moderate reps works well for me you know now this is you were asking actually you were asking about is it hard to maintain? And I would yeah. say... Is it hard to maintain a healthy lifestyle? I'd say well, that no. would be my, I'd say my it's question. it's not hard. It's not hard. It's enjoyable. Um, there's a few instances where I do crave maybe some food or this and that. And sometimes I'll have it or some alcohol. And, uh, you know, I'll always feel guilty when I do it. Um, but it's a lot of it's in my head because it's all about net weight loss or net health. So maybe you're going to go up a pound in one week, but then the next week you go down two. And over the course of the month, either you're neutral or you're a bit under or whatever, but you're not going to, no one day of anything is going to ruin your progress. Exactly. Is what I'm saying. So it's hard, but if I slip, I go right you back. You go right to back. It. Exactly. Yeah, Everybody exactly. has a bad day. Exactly. So this is a, a question that um, I talked about in my last podcast. I'm going to ask you, what does health and fitness mean to you? In all aspects. Well, I guess health, if we're going to look at health, has to do with mental health and physical health. Now, you don't necessarily have to separate the two. Obviously, we're one body and one mind together. But I'd say health is being someone who's making decisions to benefit. I'm a biology guy, so I like science. If you're making decisions that benefit not only you, but the world around you as well. So altruistic decisions, you know? So if things that you're doing are benefiting society and yourself, then that's healthy. Uh, as far as evolution's concerned, it's great for us, for survival, for our reproduction, things like that. Um, and as far as fitness is concerned at a human level, um, I think you have to challenge yourself, whether it's um, exercise or anything you're doing in life. So my idea is that if you're waking up and your goal is to challenge yourself and progress in a direction that benefits you. And when I say benefit, I mean longevity. I'm talking about 
feeling good all day, the endorphins, the, um, you know, if you're training too much, you might feel like crap. So that's not healthy. Do you know what I mean? Right, overtraining, so, yeah. yeah. So you want to like get it to where you're feeling good and positive and motivated um, to do things in your life. And I think that's healthy, you know, like you can and intuitively when you look at someone, you can sort of tell whether they're healthy or not. Maybe in the conversation you have, maybe someone's speaking a certain way or acting a certain way. And I don't know how to put it, but you can see that they're maybe anxious or tense about something. We all have times like that, obviously. But I mean, controlling the anxiety, being able to manage your responsibilities, that's all part of the health thing too. So for me personally, training and fitness related stuff really helps me with the rest of my life. Yeah. So um, it all goes hand in hand, but yeah. Now, this is a question I actually didn't have written down, but I want to go into this. Now, you were, you went back to school, but in terms of you were working full-time previously, and one of the biggest excuses as to people why they can't get fit or get healthy or whatever is time. So what do you say to that? What do you say to people that say, I don't have the time to, to go to the gym because I'm so busy? I think they're right in a way. Because I've, I've experienced it too, where you literally feel like you don't have an extra second in your day, you know. Um, at the same time, there's, it's hard to argue the fact that everyone probably has time to wake up and do 100 push-ups. Not all at once, but it probably takes 5-10 minutes. Everyone has 5-10 minutes. So the fact that you don't have time, uh, I don't think is a good excuse. It's legitimate because I think people really believe yeah. that they don't have the time. But again, it's something that should be put into, and this comes back to the teaching, like what was phys ed when we grew up? It was like a secondary course. I was a fat kid going through phys ed, getting B's. Right. They wouldn't fail me because I was big and ran slow, which is technically what you should do in school. It's like you're either doing well or you're not. not. Right. But they would give me B's because I was the big kid and I think they have to be politically correct. And it wasn't like, you know, drilled into us that health is important. So when it comes down to it, if you think you don't have time for it, um, you've got to rethink that, in my opinion, and try to find something to sacrifice. Maybe one of the shows you watch at night, maybe uh, half an hour of sleep if need be. If you're sleeping eight hours, you could probably do seven and a half and exercise for half an hour in the morning. I mean, it's not going to kill you. Uh, It's probably going to be healthier that way, right? So I would say try to put real effort in. To make time. Don't just say you don't have time and not put the effort in. I, I, I find this very intriguing when I read this online, that when people say they don't have enough time, but we look at people who are successful in life, regardless of what profession they are in, you know, we're going to use the examples that everybody else is you, but Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, mm-hmm. Elon Musk, all these other guys, and we can use females examples also, they all have the same equal time, 24 hours in a day. Right. And it doesn't matter if it's work, school, health, relationship. If you if it's very important to you, you find the time. So like you said, if it means getting up a half an hour early to sacrifice your sleep, then and it's going to benefit you. Mm-hmm. Why can't you? It's like when you're in school, you want to study, right? You have the people like me who are, I wasn't good in school, so I never really studied. And it showed on my marks. Right. And it's going to show in the gym. Mm-hmm. But then you have people probably like yourself who would go home spend two hours on something to learn 
and make sure you learn it properly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, those two hours are a waste of time. You don't really have time for that. But you make time. You make time. Or if you're in a work and they say, hey, you're getting on to a new project, whatever the case may be, you need to learn that project. Well, it's totally true, right? I mean, I'm in university now and I'm just going into fourth year because I took some time off. So the amount of time I have to put into things, if I were to go home and just say, I'm going to read a book tonight, I might read it for two hours. But if I have to learn a lecture um, by the next day, it might take 12 hours. It might take 20 hours in the course of a couple days. Like we're talking serious amounts of time, but you do it because you're you have a standard. You're trying to learn things properly. Right. You're trying to keep up your good marks and all this, right? So that motivator is there when you have a job, let's say, that's paying you. Maybe when you have school and you're concerned about your future or your marks or whatever people are concerned with. For me, it's knowledge. Like, right. I don't like the idea that if someone teaches me something, I can't understand it too. Right. If you're telling it to me, even if you told it to me in a bad way, I should, should be able understand. to, especially with the resources we have, with Wikipedia, with just the basic foundation of knowledge that's yeah. just free and accessible, um, you should be able to get a start on anything. So when it comes to finding time, I would say that the motivator for being healthy is actually very hard to find because you don't know what it feels like to be. A lot of people have been, maybe if you've been healthy for 25 years and you've let go for three years, it's probably going to be a lot easier to jump back in. back in than if you've been unhealthy for 30 years, your whole life or 40, you don't even know what it feels like. You don't know what your goal is. Yeah. You've never been there. Right. So it's, it's hard to convince people that it's going to be better when they don't know, even know how it's going to be better. Right. And I could tell you a lot of the ways that it's better. So when it comes down to it, like everything gets better, like clothes shopping, you know, getting up and not feeling tired, sex, you know, physical activities, going out with your friends. The reaction the from reaction from people. Friends and family. Friends yeah. and family, yeah. So it's just overall life is better. And not to mention, you motivate people too, right? So yeah. it feels good to To, to do know that. someone that maybe you know. You know, this is a story that if my mom ever listens to this, uh, she'll kill me for saying this. But my mom, you know, not over, not obese, but a little bit overweight. When I dropped my weight, the first thing she did was come into my room and cry. I'm like, how did you do that? Why? How did you stick to that? And like you said, that motivates. So what happened? My mom got a little bit motivated and started to walk more and so forth. So it's through our own uh, workouts, through our own progression, through our own journey, we're actually helping other people along the way that we don't even know. And there will be motivators for people. If you're like... There are people in my life who every time they see me, like my one neighbor where I grew up at my parents' house, every time I show up, he'll come out of his house. Greg, I can't believe how amazing you look. Like, yeah. I can't believe you kept it off. I, and he'll just come out. He's like, I just came here to see you because you look so great and I'm so proud of you and all this. So, I mean, having these motivators is huge and you don't want to let people down. Exactly. You, you know? don't want to exactly, you you know? let people down at that point. Then they're going to, what is that guy? You're going to stop coming out and saying that I look great. I want to stay looking great for that. So yeah. you'll never predict that sort of dynamic before you start doing it because no. you don't even know that exists, no. right? So uh, so we're coming to an end, but the last question I'm going to ask is, it might be a tricky one, and I didn't actually give you this in advance, but advice to listeners on trying to achieve their goals. So it doesn't matter if it's, if it's fat loss. I hate using the word weight loss because weight means everything that's inside of our body. Yeah, exactly. So we have organs, blood, water, so forth, mm -hmm. weight loss. So let's say fat loss 
or muscle gain or just having a healthier lifestyle so they can be already fit and healthy but they they want to feel more energy so regardless of what their goal is what is someone that someone like you has gone through the whole transformation from being clinically obese to fit within a few years going through the whole process what is an advice a piece of advice it doesn't have to be too much but what is something that you could convey to the listeners out there that have thought about you know what i'm 40 pounds overweight i want to start going to the gym i don't know how to start so what, what would you say i can say that if you are let's say using the gym as an example going to the gym it's very easy to feel uncomfortable there you got to get rid of your idea that you should be uncomfortable you're going to feel uncomfortable when i do exercises now and i'm in shape i still feel uncomfortable because sometimes you feel weak it just you feel like oh did someone see me miss that lift or whatever so don't let any of that get to your head i mean stick to your guns and you know be motivated to be healthier again it's hard to figure out why you want to be healthy but i would say convince yourself whether it's for your family for your kids for your wife or husband make sure that you understand that this is really serious because not only for yourself but for everyone around you like you don't want to end up in the hospital when you're 50 with you know and diabetes is so rampant we didn't talk about this no we didn't That's but diabetes is such a big problem um with people so again people lose limbs they have a very painful horrible death from diabetes i mean right. it, it's hard to really convince someone that they're going to be in pain but being unhealthy is usually i mean you could be lucky and have a heart attack in your sleep maybe and die quickly for the most part i think it's gonna suck yeah. you know what i mean it's gonna be slow and you're gonna lose the use of your legs and so if that's a motivator for people i'd say right. but understand that i think you owe it to your body to use it and to experience you know experience more in life by right. experiencing that so everyone's different i don't know if that sits you know no that's fine works i think with everyone but yeah i think a lot of people are we we went over this last time with cena that a lot of people are scared of the failure i've tried it before and it doesn't work so right. I, to me, it's like sometimes you have to try multiple times. But have they tried? Well, Honestly, that's the thing. We some don't people know. try for a week and that's trying. Like what, what is what the is definition really trying? of trying? Exactly, because right? to get a habit is about 21 days. So they say, but if you go to the gym one day a week and go, I want to see results. I went my 20 minutes and now that's it. You're not going to see the results. I so think one thing I want to emphasize, if you want, that I was thinking about before, you have to do self-experimentation, especially with your diet. Training is pretty standard. I mean, my ideology is this. If it's hurting you to do a movement, don't do it. Right. Don't hurt yourself. Um, don't do something just because someone else is doing it. Don't do it because of that reason. That's not a good reason to do mm -hmm. it. But the main thing is, especially in the world we live in now with YouTube Sorry. and all the information yeah. out there, do not take people's... I do it myself. I'll hear something on a video and I'll say, oh, that's true. That's not true. You gotta do your due diligence. And the due diligence, sometimes a lot of people will say the same thing. So there's a bias we have in our brains where if we hear a thousand people say something, we still we say, oh well. It's gotta be true. true. But that's what's going on in the YouTube community right, right. now with a lot of the information about um, eating and about, you know, weight training. You right. know what I mean? So people will say there's a right and a wrong way to do an exercise. Right. Well, I mean 
to who? What's your goal? Are you trying to exactly. build a big bicep or are you trying to just burn calories or are you trying to loosen your joints up or whatever? And as far as the eating is concerned, the protein myths, the I mean, I don't want to call them myths because I haven't researched it. But they say one example will be you can only absorb 30 grams of protein right. in a sitting. Yet there are countless studies that show that when you eat proteins, the amino acids are free in your body for seven to 10 hours sometimes to be used however they need to be used as one myth. Um, I mean, there's a lot of myths that people yeah. like the high protein myth. I mean, I don't know if it's a myth. The idea that it might be is possible. Have you ever done the experiment yourself? Yeah, it's all trial and error. Have you tried much. eating 200 grams of protein a day versus 100 and seen if you have any noticeable changes? Right. Do you, have you noticed it or do you just believe what everyone tells you? Not that what everyone tells isn't possibly correct, but do the experiment yourself. Right. Try it out. Get a log and write down when you eat a food, if it makes you feel good or bad. Right. It's very simple. Yeah. Don't eat the stuff that makes you feel bad, you know? Exactly. Just just do self-experimentation in a healthy way and learn what works for you because we're all so different. Different, right? exactly. Yeah. Not one thing, no no one cookie cutter program or diet for everybody. Right, exactly. So now that you have uh, lost the weight, you're in this uh, workout routine, what is the best thing that, that you think that's happened to you? Is it psychological? Is it physical? Is it emotional? Or what, what do you find that you've, out of this whole journey that you have, what is one thing that feels good? I think that's actually pretty easy to answer because every day when I train, I feel this. But training neutralizes my, it gives me a neutral ground to feel human and to feel like myself. So even when you have hardships in life and things are tough, you go to the gym and you train, or at least for me, it it's like a neutral point. It's like it brings you back to square one. It's like, look, this is healthy. Like, I guess healthy is the wrong word. It just makes you feel like you're doing the right thing. Right. Like, it's very hard at that point for anyone to say that what you're doing is, is the wrong. wrong thing for you to do. Whereas other things in your life, you're questioning. You know, sometimes, I should I have right? done this? Should I, did I, should I have not married this person? Should I be um, in school right now? Should I have taken that job? All these things are variables. But this is the constant for me. And I think that is what I value the most is that it's brought me more stable in all aspects of life because of the stability that this has shown me as far as work habits and as far as just working hard towards a goal properly will give you a reasonable amount of success guaranteed because you're doing in the right direction. So right. that's what's important to me. Yeah. All right. With, uh, with that in mind, uh, our, podcast is coming to a close so i just want to say thank you very much for coming no problem in. man thanks i for would love me. to do this again Let's we'll do it maybe we'll maybe the next uh, podcast will be about fitness myths and sure. we can debunk them we'll do our research and, and see which research. ones are good or yeah, we can talk about protein powders or anything like that we'll we'll figure it out but i just want to say thanks for coming in for sure no and, problem uh yes thank you guys for listening